Welcome to another episode of RTFM, where we read a role-playing game book. I'm tired today. It's early. I dog sat very late for someone last night. A little wiener dog named Walter. Uh, Walter. But we're not... (laughs) One day I'm going to meet you, Walter. (laughs) Walter is great. Um, We're not talking about a wiener dog today. We're talking about... Ghostbusters, the RPG. I'm trying to sound excited. I am excited. I like this book, but I'm also drinking coffee while we do this. This is a humorous horror role-playing game. It is Ghostbusters International, uh, which is the second edition of the book. It came out in 1989. First edition was published in 1986, uh, designed by Sandy Peterson, Lynn Willis, and Greg Stafford. Uh, quick side note, fuck Sandy Peterson. Just cool. in case people didn't know. He's like a bio-essentialist. Mm, well, yeah, fuck that guy. Uh, he was also one of the co-developers of the video game Doom. And he was the one that was just like saying crazy things about it. And then John Romero on Twitter, the other developer, was just like, Hey, Sandy, I think you're wrong about this. And I need to correct you in public and like dunk on you. So John Romero forever. Go to hell, Sandy Peterson. Uh, this second edition, <laughs> an additional <laughs> developmental work by Aaron Alston and Douglas Kaufman. Uh, it's based I, on Ghostbusters, which was a movie in 1984 that became a big no franchise. It's no longer a movie. It was only well, a movie in 1984. I just, you know, I don't know. Maybe we have international listeners. Maybe we have young listeners who do not realize the power of the Ghostbusters. Of the Ghostbusters. It, uh... uh we're also guestless today, which is we're so we're just we're we're gonna be chaotic. All right, I'm Aaron. I'm Aaron yeah, King. It's fine. Everybody, <laughs> everybody knows who you are. You can find uh, me at Aaron of King on Twitter. Oh, whatever. I'm gonna stay obscure. I'm here as my spectral mm-hmm. self today. Mm-hmm. Um, can I yeah, also, also say quickly? Oh shit! Yeah, no. <laughs> what? Go. Go ahead. Uh, my old D and D group. One of the people brett she used to sing the ghostbusters theme song for karaoke da, 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 da. right and it da, has the line bustin makes me feel good um, it, it does have that line and uh she was singing it and my friend summer who is also in this uh D group was really confused because all her life she thought the lyric was plus it makes me feel good so like mm. i'm gonna cut you call me I'm going to come to your house and chase away a ghost. You're going to pay me for it. Plus, it makes me feel good to get rid of these ghosts for you. It's the, um, it's the airtime, the primetime radio version or whatever. Right. Uh, that's by Ray Parker Jr., the Ghostbusters theme song. But yeah, Ghostbusters was huge for was a while. Um, I watched it as a kid. I was yeah. not alive in 1984 when it came out. But I watched it as a kid. Uh, I loved it as a kid. I watched it again last night. I loved it less last yeah. night. <laughs> I watched we, it. Should, I, should we save that for yeah, the end? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But I am super prepared because I have both read this book. I watched the original movie and then I watched the newer movie. Not the newest movie because there's a third Ghostbusters yes. and I haven't seen that one. You're talking about the 2016. Ghostbusters? I don't know. There's some 2016 Kristen, one. Kristen Wiig vehicle, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that. I like that movie. It's so good. Uh, yeah, I came in. I was alive in 1984. Um, 
but I got super into the cartoon as a kid. And like, I remember, you know, we have film video of my birthday party at Mr. Getty's Pizza turning like five or six or whatever. And I'm just opening my presents and they're all Ghostbuster toys. And there's a kid off to the side. I open one and he goes, another Ghostbuster. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, I was super into it as a kid. Did not stay into it. Like, I haven't seen the movies for years. So this is my first dip back in. Um, it was interesting reading the book. One, because the second edition, it starts off with a, people have asked us for more rules. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, God, no. Why are we? Why yeah, are we it's wild. Those, those it's people like, are bad and wrong. People have asked us for rules, more detailed combat rules and rules about encumbrance. And I'm just like, who are these people? They must be hunted. They, uh, I think, I mean... I got to assume there were some people that, you know, there was no internet back then. And they were just like, I sure wish I didn't have to adjudicate these things on my own. I'm used to Dungeons and Dragons or whatever. Totally. I just, if someone ever writes you, a role-playing game developer, asking for more rules, I would just ask you to consider all the people who have not written to you asking for those rules. And assume the majority of people are fine with the yeah. rules as is. You if you don't sold need to 20 add. copies of your game and one person right. emails you, do not write more rules. Don't uh, cater to them. Unless you have, like, undeniable evidence that the majority of the people who have bought your game want more rules. Right. And even then, maybe question them. Also, if that one person does write to you asking, just be like, yeah, I'll write you a bespoke version for $200. Yeah. I'll include rules for everything. Why don't you just take these rules from this other game that already has this figured out? Right. That's uh, also valid. Uh, anyway, this is a fun book. It's, a, a fun it's about book. 150 pages. Came in a box set with a, a little collection of pamphlets. And that collection of pamphlets is called Son of slash Bride of Ghostbusters, which I think is funny. That's, uh, it is impossible to find now for any reasonable uh, price, so... Yes, I luckily have a a hard copy uh, that I'm holding on to from my old 4E DM, Pete. Hello, Pete. Yeah, your retirement Let's play Ghostbusters. (laughs) Yeah. Well, my physical book is, like, crumbling. It's falling apart. So, Uh, anyway, what if we only talked about the physical condition of the book? (laughs) That's that's what we're reviewing today. You have to get a reintegrator. Yes. Uh, It's a cool book. It's a fun little book. It starts with a play sample after the intro. The there are women in the play sample and they feel more real than the women in the fiasco play sample. I also that had that thought note. while reading it was like, wow, women, nineteen eighty nine, they just disappeared for went extinct for a couple decades according to Fiasco. Right. Uh, um, yeah, no, there and there's like a lot of play examples. Yes. Throughout the book. Um and yeah, they're maybe real women, who knows? Yeah, uh, it's a dice pool system. You roll a bunch of d6s based on some traits. You add them all together to beat a target number. One of the dice is a ghost die that has a ghost on it. And if the ghost comes up, something like bad happens. It's like a mixed success component, yeah. you know, like an apocalypse world, but 30 years before. Um, it was like the first popular dice pool system, so it inspired... You know, the, the designers of, like, Shadowrun and uh, Mark Reinhagen of White Wolf, they were like, yeah, we were inspired by 
this Ghostbusters game. I like um, a dice pool. Yeah, so it's like a really influential um, mechanic, and it it's also, really clean. Yeah, I think is. the the like first edition is probably in my sweet spot of games, as far as like because it doesn't have encumbrance rules, <laughs> right? Well, it's just like you roll, you have a clear number of dice you roll, you add them all up. You know, you don't have to like pick one out or anything. Um, I dig the ghost die idea though. Like, it yeah, doesn't need no, to. I kind of ghost dice in have, first edition in, too. Yeah, I have enjoyed games where you have different dice for different things, and they're like coming up have like impact on the other dice. I don't know. I think that's kind of fun. It can be like a really clean way to have a lot of different results from like a single dice roll which i appreciate um of note is that the four stats that you roll are brains muscle moves and cool and then you have uh and then you have talents <laughs> that sit underneath those skills and the talent the suggested talent lists are a hoot they're great um so things like i mean for brains they're a little bit less more boring but i love that one of the brains ones is guess just like yeah i'm good at guessing shit that's i'm really extra good at guessing shit uh the other ones are like you know parapsychology and read and smell or whatever but guess is the one that kind of yeah but there's also like sports facts soap opera trivia (laughs) sports facts under Uh, muscle you have things like gobble food (laughs) wrestle alligators and wrestle men they're separate also yank never forget that it says wrestle men on above yank in yeah. this in this book yanking uh, makes me feel good yeah i mean i've heard that uh moves i'm just going through highlights now because they're really uh yeah, really hilarious moves is like your your move skill it's like your general agility situation um and one of the suggestions they also say like make more up like chat with right. like this is just a suggested list make and more they up have like quote-unquote normal ones like dodge and drive are totally. moves they don't just leave you with the goofball stuff i can't imagine picking those as a as a, like when you're given break dance <laughs> why do you choose dodge but uh or like ride horses right exclusively ride horses and uh, then under cool is raised children <laughs> I, it's so wild. It's so wild. I read Raise Children and it was like, I mean, I appreciate the statement that's being, I don't like, it's, it is like, because all of these are kind of your, like, you're a, you're a super charming character. Right. Uh, Raise Children is, of course, above seduce. Uh, <laughs> I guess maybe the logic is if you do one of them, you might have to do the other right, one. Right. Um, if you raise children, you are really hot to people. Yeah, because it shows yeah. that you can do like uh, emotional labor and things like that. Yeah, so then you play the stock market people. is in there too. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's there. The 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 right off the bat, the singular the singular judgment of this book is that it is a little creepy uh, and yeah. super head. Like it's really horny, and I'm obviously on board for it being really horny. Um, it just is super heterosexual and really like i mean which is also a thing in the movie so it's it feels like a one to one translation of, right like, it doesn't every feel like dude is out there trying to get laid and kind of has to like be weaselly about it and they do do it vice versa as well like they talk about uh you know women ghostbusters hooking up with the cute guy and stuff like that um not as often but i feel like they're making an attempt yeah that's also, not slut shamey <laughs> right so that's not yeah. its problem <laughs> I've been thinking about, like, 
sex comedies as a genre lately um mostly because i was filing dvds at work and like by sex you know, comedies was, you don't mean porn parodies right because that's the whole thing right that i think is i mean wonderful. you know like uh getting main theater runs um you know like when harry met sally and then there you know in the mid 80s there are a bunch of them and then in the like late 90s there was like american pie um yeah and stuff like that that was just like sex comedies right it was Shout about out to the american people... pie generation were fucking <laughs> right. weird <laughs> it was about people just like trying to have sex and how weird and funny that process can yeah, be and how stupid it makes you and right how, and i like... you know i think there's space for that but i think a lot of those plots do end up with like oh sex is so weird and funny look at this weird human thing we do I'm going to, like, trick people, you know? Totally. Um, I actually think the two... We're going to talk about the movies. The two Ghostbusters movies um, illuminate that difference really well. Because the first one is Bill Murray's character is a creep. Yeah. And is, like, trying to often, like, lie and be persistent in a, like, kind of, like, creepy way in order to to have to access sex. Um, and in the second one, Kristen Wiig's character is just awkward. <laughs> it's just like fumbly and weird right. uh, and hilarious. Well, and because... she doesn't have like the institutional power of being a man yeah. to like, quote unquote, run people down. And, you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. I, I thought like you they... meant in Ghostbusters 2, Bill Murray <laughs> has learned his lesson. No, I just meant the 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 new, the new, because that's the kind of cool thing about the movies. Like, this isn't about the games, but the cool things about the movies is like all of the people who made the movies were like, eh, I think our ideas in that movie, some of our ideas were really outdated. And we want to actively, I have no idea if this is their motivation, but it comes off like we want to actively update this franchise in a way that reflects contemporary sensibilities and like corrects some of our problems. You know, because yeah. they're all involved, which is like the nice thing about it. It's not like, oh, we took this franchise and gave it to a bunch of women. Not that that's not great, but like it is kind of nice and rare to have the original people who wrote it and like produced it to be like, we need to update this with with some stuff. Yeah. And then to make a funnier movie <laughs> and then it to is... make like an a, a undeniably better and funnier movie than yeah. the first one is nice. It's like the Mad Max of comedies. <laughs> It's good. I maybe we're just talking about the movies now. Sorry, everyone. We'll get back to the book. Watch the movies. They're good. Um, I feel like you know that Ghostbusters came out in 2016, and it was in the midst of like the Star Wars movies coming out, and the women in those movies, and like the black people in those movies being chased off of social media. Oh yeah, the things around that movie harassment. is fucking wretched. Right, the and there were so many people doing the same thing with the Ghostbusters movie, but the Ghostbusters movie I feel is the one that I saw like leak into the people that I would consider, like, not crazy women haters. I would just see normal people being like, listen, I'm not anti-women, but this movie's really bad and we should boycott it. And it would be, like, people that I wouldn't normally consider doing that. And I don't know. Yeah. It it freaked me out. Um, And then I saw it, and it was really, it was a good movie. It's so good. (laughs) So Uh, good. Those people are uh, objectively wrong. You are an objectively bad person if you think that Ghostbusters is bad. (laughs) If you like Ghostbusters, if you like what it's doing, and you think that one's bad, you have, you need to, like, course correct your whole taste. Um, You cannot like them for other reasons, because you cannot like what they are. (laughs) Just generally. If you don't like like, action horror comedies. If you like the sales pitch, uh, the, the 2016 one is significantly better. Um... Which might also be because Melissa McCarthy and uh, Kate McKinnon are all-time comedic geniuses yeah. of the world. <laughs> um, 
but that's the movie. But the, what really all that to say, like, there is some of that outdated stuff. Like, I would love to see Ghostbusters now, like the same thing with the movie, but make the RPG. Um, because some of it is a little like there's a lot of there's a lot of suggestions in the in the like commentary in the author commentary of the book and the, the play examples that are like well this man can't talk to women so or like whatever like the men who are awkward around sex right. can't do this like there's a woman in the room make every man male character feel weird right like it's this weird thing where like it's this really the suggestion is to really enforce one extreme heterosexuality right. <laughs> throughout it right there is no possibility um there's no even like suggestion of uh queerness there is only there is <laughs> women can objectify men as much as men objectify women but there is no <laughs> there is no possibility of any kind of like different sexuality um which on some level is fine but it's really like hammered home in a lot of the commentary and a lot of the like play examples in a way that like isn't usually present i think because most rpgs from the time just aren't even that horny like don't touch the right. subject not because they didn't also have those beliefs you know yeah uh but that's in there that's 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 what sits behind a lot of that seduce talent even just it being a talent uh i think would with modern sensibilities not be not be considered cool yeah. um because there's a lot of like there's a lot of roll this to get somebody to like you or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. to convince somebody to go on a date with you or whatever. Um, uh, but I, yeah, I think that stuff is not um, baked into the system. I think you could grab this game and run it oh, in a totally, way. totally. But half of this book is play examples and author commentary, yeah, and it's, it's very really, present in those bits. It's so so the a lot of the GM advice is like semi adversarial. And I think it's it's as a joke, right? Like you are, mm -hmm. you're trying to make these people's lives hard because that's what Ghostbusters was, right? Like they're always behind on bills, their equipment's always falling apart, and so the adversarial stuff most of the time is like, yeah, make their shit fall apart, you know, make them look stupid in front of the woman they like or whatever. Um, but it does walk this line of like, hey, 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 you can just fuck with them, and I think it's meant as a joke or it's meant in, a, you know, it's just part of the whole tone. But it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's like a couple, there's also a couple commentary. Like, there's a couple moments where the author is like, we, if, if the characters come up with some crazy harebrained scheme that totally one shots your big evil baddie, just let them. Like, right. let them steamroll over your plans. And I appreciated those, even though, like, so much of the GM stuff is like, make a plot. Here's all the plot steps. It's very, like, structured it's very procedural um but then it also is like if they do wild like just let them do wild shit go with it run with it let them roll over everything you had planned yeah and it's um you know i think they the in this case they're trying to do that plot to match a movie right there they they say like use movie language when you're yeah. setting up a scene and the you know the the plots are set up with like here's real one here's real two Here's real three when you know these things happen, um, which I think would be really helpful for people who are new. I think for yeah. the rest of us, it, you know, I think a bunch of us have moved past the idea that like that every scene has a, a prescripted outcome, right? Um, but I think as like a new player or a new GM having like four or five, like even saying like have four or five different outcomes, you know, and kind of guide whatever their actions are into one of those possible outcomes. Um, 
can be good. Uh, I guess we didn't really cover the rules, but the so the the no, basic you, you roll the dice, you get you try and to then get above you, a number, and then you try and hit a number that is in a scale that they call um <laughs> the universal. I don't remember how universal how hard universal how high universal something um we're so good at this uh, they just say they it's because they only tell you what it is once yeah. i think and then it's just like um for the rest of it and i thought it was very uh hilarious um but it's pretty much what they're trying to do is like every difficulty has it the same scale no matter what you're rolling for right um, so if you're rolling for combat or if you're rolling for a skill check or if you're rolling for anything else and like even like monster difficulties or whatever, like all everything has the same difficulty scale. Um, and it is like automatic success, very little difficulty, some difficulty, a good amount of difficulty, lots of difficulty and whole lots of difficulty and then more difficulty than you can imagine. <laughs> right. And these are like buckets of numbers. Right. So like one to three, four to eight, nine to 13, et cetera. Um, Universal how much. How much. There we go. Uh, And it's meant to be. So, like, when you're GMing on the fly, if somebody's like, oh, I want to do this thing, you can think, like, oh, how difficult is that? Oh, that sounds like there's some difficulty associated with it. So I know the target roll is going to be four to eight. So I can pick a number in there to give them as, like, what they need to roll against. It sounds... (laughs) This is one of those rules. I realized recently that, like, a lot of the games that I write read as difficult and then play quite simply um and this felt the opposite i was like this reads really simply and i feel like would be difficult (laughs) oh would it i feel fine with it i don't know i feel like i'd be like there's something there's something about it being stepped that way like i kind of get it it just felt it felt complicated to apply to like every circumstance yeah um i mean it's no different than it's not it's not too different from like D and D difficulties, yeah. right? I think you would just eventually get into it and learn the, to use it as like a pacing tool and stuff as well. Yeah, the the scale goes from one to thirty uh, or thirty plus, which feels like a very big window because yeah. you know if you have like a if you have a a guess skill of seven, then you're rolling seven dice. Um, yeah, and so I think part of it is like internalizing like a D6 averages to 3.5. And so you, you know, like um, kind of internalizing that, you know, if this person has seven dice, that's 31.5 is their average roll. It's okay to give them a high target number. Most says most players will have a maximum of five in a talent and then have like a few extra for or in a skill and then a few extra for a talent so they can like you can roll a, a handful of dice right. <laughs> there are circumstances which will be rolling a handful of dice um yeah and then it has a bunch of stuff for combat combat kind of follows the same the same formula of like how much uh and how difficult it is to hit something and usually it's like is it how difficult is it in melee and then like ranged weapons have their own scales based on distance and often you're not rolling against target number you're rolling off with someone so if you're trying to shoot a ghost the ghost is rolling their dice for like their move if they're trying to dodge you or something and you're rolling your whatever i think 
I'm ready to run this game. Like, I'm excited by this game. Some of the surrounding text does not excite me. But, like, I'm going to go back and read the first edition. And, you know, in in a year after I quit RPGs, I will come back to RPGs and be like, I'm back with the OSR Ghostbusters system. (laughs) I've stripped out the stuff and made it about, you know, the grim, dark peasants in the dirt but it's funny it's monty python i don't know it's horny it's horny yeah i think it's i think it like it sounds fun to me there's definitely it's definitely one of those things where i'm like oh half of this book doesn't need to be here mm-hmm. uh and because i certainly don't need like and what's interesting is as i was reading it this is this, i just my brain switched lanes halfway through the sentence but as i was reading it it uh it felt like a lot of the suggestions and this feels like an old game thing, but like a lot of the suggestions were like kind of rolling constantly. Yeah. Um, like that there would be a lot of rolls. Yes. Uh, they actually say like roll a lot in this yeah. game, um, which I think is about the ghost die component. Like mm-hmm. you, the, the rules is kind of relying or assuming that that ghost die will come up and make things funny or, or weird. Um, and so get people rolling so that ghost die does come up. They um, do encourage bits. So this game was pretty much made for Aaron. Um, <laughs> they do the ghost die. They, they say a couple times, like if the ghost die comes up, and I think if I were playing this, it would just be like, here's the dedicated D6. And if it's a six, then whatever. Um, because I have no, con- like, like I'm assuming the ghost die is a D6. <laughs> yes. Uh, because Does it not I, say I have I have one in the box? Well, yeah, because it comes in the box set with the yeah. ghost die. I like I don't have the ghost die. I was like, I'm assuming it's a D six. So I've, it is a D six. I forget if it's uh, blank, like, is the, except for one ghost. I was like, or is if the it's ghost a on? Die. I think it's a number because I think it can contribute to your number unless it's the the ghost face. Mm. Uh, I didn't know if the ghost if the ghost showed up on the die more than once was the question mark. It's, right, it's like, only once trying to find out if it's the one or the six anyway not important uh, uh it is funny they do yeah they do encourage it being like a recurring bit like at one point they're like every time the ghost dies like for example you could have every time the ghost die comes up like the irs shows up or whatever uh and i think that's I obviously like a comedy game, so I'm like on board with this being like, how do you inject a bunch of bad comedy every time this role comes up? Right. Um, and I kind of like the idea of there being a dice that is like, ah, you succeeded, but also <laughs> right. like interject all this stuff in here. Um, the in the example, the play example, uh, you know, there's all these Ghostbusters going to the location, and one of them is like, I'm scared. I'm going to stay in the car. And then another player's like, I'm going to drag this person out of the car. You better come with us. And then they roll and they succeed, but the ghost eye comes up. And so the the muscly character accidentally pulls the car door off as well. <laughs> and it's like, that's I like that. That's kind of funny. It's not like, oh, now you take a minus one to whatever. It's just like, oh, man, <laughs> our car's jacked. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, harm is to your traits, right? That's the Yeah, which I don't like. Because it's like a death spiral thing. Like, the more harm you take, the less likely to succeed you are. You are. Succeed, yeah. In the original edition, um, so we haven't talked about this yet, but there are brownie points, which are kind of this uh, meta currency that is a mix of 
spend them to reroll, spend them to heal, spend them to level up kind of thing. I love a mixed currency. Yes. In the original game, you just lost brownie points as you got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea being you would kind of pay them to not die. Which you can uh, you can still pay them yes. to get less hurt. So that's right. the whole, like, you can pay them to move up or down the um scale so that it's less, <laughs> it hurts you less. Or, like, the consequences are less. Which I kind of famously hate. <laughs> Is this the Blades in the Dark Resistance Yeah, I role? kind of famously hate things that let you retroactively change the outcome of the role. Because for me, it's like... Okay, like okay i guess but if i'm putting all this like if like and this is not to say if you don't like if you genuinely dislike the outcome of the role then that's a conversation between players right like if something like actual feel bad happens then that's not about the fiction to fix right and so if it's if it's just uh oh, my GM came up with this thing, like this person has made this story about what this dice means, has done this interpretation, and I don't really like it, so I'm going to change it. And then it gets into this loop of like, I'm just always going to try and resist harm, and I'm always going to try and resist negative outcomes, and I'm like, but so much of what is fun in play is the negative outcomes. And so I don't know. It just, it never, it's one of those things where I'm like, theoretically, I feel like I should be on board with it, and in play, I always find it not fun. Yeah. Because uh, even as I'm like saying those words out loud, I'm like, in theory, yeah, sure, change that, resist, lessen the dif- lessen the negativity of the outcome or whatever. But I'm just like, every time I've come up against that, it's always been like, this is just drawing out this like single <laughs> part, small part, and then everybody gets into this. Well, I can win this. There's something yeah. linked between lessening the difficulty with like. I'm winning if there's less difficulty. And for me, it's like, I'm winning if the story's fun. And often the difficulty is where the story is, right? Like, and it gets, it becomes, I don't know, it adds this layer of player interaction that I've never seen go well. <laughs> hmm. um, I don't know. So I, I like, there's some part of me that's like fine with it when it comes to how much harm you take and less fine when it comes to like changing the outcomes of the dice roll. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I feel weird about it. <laughs> I feel conflicted. Um, what else? There are routines. This I'm just like going through my notes, picking out other things I liked. There's a list of routines, such as go to courts, uh, get uh, complicated paperwork done, and it's a kind of a flow chart of of the roles you would have to make to do that, and potential outcomes, like if you fail or if you succeed with a ghost die or whatever. And they're all really fun, I yeah, think. Fun. I would like to play them just on their own. Um, they don't have this one detailed, but they have a list of like other recommendations, include first dates. And I was like, that's just, I have written that move. <laughs> you know, I love <laughs> this. Um, so those were fun. Um, there are a couple adventures included that I didn't particularly love. But then there are a bunch of capsule adventures that are like the scream sheets from cyberpunk that are like these are much better than the written adventures (laughs) well that's the thing is like the written adventures follow that formula of they're very they're very structured they're very linear um and like what's the the routines the linearity of the routines feels good you know and and the linearity of the of the adventure feels bad um (laughs) because like the routines are quite clever and feel a lot like random encounters 
Right. Right. Like they're, you know, the first one is like a car chase uh, example and they, they come in three sections and you roll a D six three times each time you like are in a section. Um, and then it gives you different, uh, different potential outcomes. Yeah. It feels uh, a lot like mobile frame zero firebrands, which is another Baker game, like <laughs> a kind of mini game PBTA thing that I really love. Um, yeah. And I, that's just me. You know, I don't know if, Vincent Baker read Ghostbusters and was like, I'm going to turn this routine section into a full game. I kind of doubt it, but it is very funny. I think the thing I enjoyed about this book is like, I think if this book had somehow become more popular than D&D, modern mainstream game design would look like PBTA instead of that being like a side of, you know, indie game design or something. I certainly think it would be better. Same, if West End Games in general had just been right. the dominant, like, because Star Wars was also good, right? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. like, they did much better and more interesting game design than any of the bigger the bigger dudes at the time. Uh, and I wonder, yeah, I also wonder what it would look like if those things had become the, the understood defaults of how role-playing games work. Yeah. Um, BA plus. Uh, there's also magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why? Just stick to that. This is so. This is one of the funny things about like watching the movie after reading the book. Uh, is because some of my like, ugh, why is of course because it's in the movie, and not because it feels like it like aligns with things like right. the. I mean, spoiler for people who haven't seen the movies or played this game, there's a surprising lack of ghosts in Ghostbusters, um, the, ori- the original movie. <laughs> there's a surprising lack of ghosts. Uh, and it's much more like interplanar, interdimensional, supernatural oh. things. Than well, so one thing I read ghosts. was... Uh, so the Ghostbusters movie was written by Dan Aykroyd, and it was originally written to star him and... Uh, Jim Belushi. Is that the right Belushi? Sure. Uh, the one who was, they were famously friends there in Blues Brothers. No, Jim Belushi's the other one. Oh my god. People are gonna Belushi heads are gonna be so mad at me. I don't John think we have any Belushi. Belushi uh, is a famous you know, actor, improviser. He and Dan Aykroyd were in Blues Brothers together. They were good friends. Um, so Dan Aykroyd wrote this movie for him and John Belushi, and it was originally going to be them being interdimensional cross-time explorers. That makes sense. Going makes after so much more evils. And uh, people were like, we can't do that. There's no budget for that. No one's going to be interested in that. And they brought in uh, Harold Ramis to do like a rewrite with Dan Aykroyd to set it in New York and like ground it. And that's why it became the Ghostbusters we know. That's interesting, because the big bad in in Ghostbusters is uh, not a ghost. <laughs> right, he's like an interdimensional warlord, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like this. Yeah, and it, and so I get why they like put all that in there, but like the interesting, all of the comedy and all of the fun comes from the ghost parts of things yeah. in the movies um, and in the rules. And so having all the other stuff, I was like, eh, don't need it. <laughs> don't need it. We just got, I mean, like you obviously have these supernatural powers that ghosts have, and that is, um, like that's fine, but like as far as like 
you know, like ESP, <laughs> for example, famously, yeah. um, is not real in any of the media that it's pulling from, right? Like, it's this, like, running joke uh, that, like, humans have abilities, have supernatural abilities, but they don't. Um, and And it feels a lot like, I don't know, and maybe this is me just being a total shit, but it feels a lot of, like... <laughs> Why does D&D have psionics? You know, like it's like this is not it's this whole thing that like is kind of yeah, womp wompy <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> mm. Well, it's, easy, like, it's like, easy enough to ignore. Totally. I just like things that are like focused on their on their themes. Right. Um, and so like all the weird, all the weird, like spooky ghost shit is um, here for because it does walk you through how to make a spooky ghost yeah and that's that's a fun process there are a lot of uh forms to fill out in this game which i mean in a fun way like doing worksheets in school before school got you know school to work pipeline and was kind of a fun thing um yeah because the idea is it's called ghostbusters international because you are a franchisee of the actual ghostbusters from the movie and so they have lent you the name and they will send you Ghostbusters equipment. And you kind of have to fill out these forms about your franchise and about yourself and your fellow Ghostbusters and these ghosts you find. Um, and that's part of the game that I think is really fun. Yeah. Um, it is. It's a fun It's a fun framing. And, like, the intro, the intro adventure goes on that, too. It's like, oh, you've just set up your franchise and, like, headquarters calls. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, do not do not talk to this man. <laughs> and then this the man has been hounding up. us. Yeah. And he has, he has found you. Do I not love the idea him. of, like, this man has been showing up at McDonald's corporate. And then they send a message to all the McDonald's stores being like, this weirdo is obsessed with McDonald's. <laughs> He might show up at your store. Like, it is just a very funny uh, premise. And also feels realistic. Like, I know those weirdos. So. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh... But yes, like, you get to make a little... You get to make your little guys. Uh, they have... Uh, and they have, like, superpowers or supernatural powers, um, which is always kind of fun. Uh the ghosts, the dead guys. The ghosts, the ghosts. I mean, it, it does say like some of your, your characters can also have right. some superpowers, um, but I always kind of kind of enjoy the like unrealistic science versus like supernatural. Right, it's a much like, more pseudoscience versus supernatural things. dichotomy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, especially like leaning towards what like encouraging players to come up with really strange gadgets which is a pretty like common part of the game like mm-hmm. get them to come up with weird shit and then guide them through making it and then figure out whether it backfires or if it works and like what impact that would have but like pretty much you know encourage your players to be like really creative with what strange little machines right and often be clear like Oh, you're going to do this, but it's only going to work once. Like, it's this kind of perfect storm of events. You can make this crazy device. and um, Yeah. Yeah. So that it it's really just, good. Like, like <laughs> yeah, like storytelling advice, right? Is like, if you make this kind of world breaking thing, you should also have a reason why it only works this one time. Um, yeah. Yeah. Weapon, weapon breakage. I guess I'm supporting weapon breakage. I know that's a big <laughs> discourse topic in video game design. Yeah, everybody. Apparently, everybody hates weapon degradation. That's why Breath of the Wild is such an unpopular game. Uh, 
I don't. I don't always love weapon degradation. It's no, just one of the, I. If it fits your game, use yeah. it. <laughs> if it doesn't fit your game, don't use it as a default. <laughs> All game design ever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was a. It was a fun read. It was like. It was nice to read something that was so focused on the comedy of a thing. Um, And a lot of the advice like goes through like, how do you interweave comedy into horror? Like use a lot of like, you know, horror touchstones when describing environments and then, and then add some comedy in there kind of as like a, a layer on top. Um, but make sure things are kind of like still gross and whatever, which is so funny because I don't actually think about Ghostbusters as a horror property. Like I know that like it likes to keep calling itself like comedy horror, but it's it's horror only because there are ghosts and supernatural entities, right. not it's because it's actually of, scary. Right. Yeah. Um, like if horror is about, if you can qualify for horror just by having a creature, then yeah, it's horror, <laughs> you know? But yeah. like that always feels like it doesn't, it doesn't feel horry enough. Like it's a comedy game. <laughs> it's a comedy game that involves creatures, uh, which obviously I'm here for, because I can only play comedy games. I can only do a comedy. <laughs> uh, are we are we doing appendix now? Now this might be a short ep. I don't know. I thought you were gonna have more to say about the game. We didn't even That's talk all about I got. cool gear. I didn't, you know, the cool gear stuff kind of gets eclipsed by like, here's cool gear, and then here's like all our new encumbrance rules. I really wish we had read the first edition. That's fair. That's fair. I do like that, like, some of the equipment is like, like, you have your standard things, right? Like a crossbow and a pistol and your proton pack and whatever. But like in the equipment, there's also like chair <laughs> and cream pie. <laughs> right. Uh, beach kit. It's a good and the time. cream pie is described as like this deadly weapon is often found in cafes and you know, it's, <laughs> they uh, commit. They commit to the bits. They do. the The disintegrator ray and the reintegrator ray are fun <laughs> right. for me. The reintegrator ray is like I guess it does the opposite of whatever a disintegrator ray does. Yeah, it's it'll. I like the idea of being like playing a character that uses a reintegrator ray but doesn't have the like disintegrator ray, so it's just trying to like reintegrate things that they find. Right. Like I'm hunting for weird energies. Gonna <laughs> sure hope they someone turn into. broke something so that I can put it back together. Yeah. Yeah. That's my that's my dating profile. Oh that's, I'm just kidding. Uh, please someone with reintegrator ray date me. Uh no, I was saying I'm not gonna anyway. Uh, <laughs> I know. I was I was saving you. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's funny because it's it's a big it's a big huge game, but it it doesn't feel like there's nothing. I mean, maybe we're just getting to that point in the show where we've like read a bunch of games, <laughs> where I'm like, there's not a lot that sticks out as like comment worthy like it's kind of exactly what you think yeah it is this game does hate telephones it does hate telephones a lot of the examples of difficulty are like so you're trying to eat a telephone here's what that role might look like Uh, (laughs) you have to be this strong to eat a telephone which like why why are we 
why are we trying to eat a telephone? It's a bit. You got to commit to the I know. You got to commit to the bits. That really should just be this book. Like four pages of rules and then here's how bits work. (laughs) Please teach bits. Uh, But it does. It feels like, like, I don't know. Would you pick this up over Gamma World? (laughs) I would. I think I would. I'm going to read the first edition of the book. But based on my understanding of what they added to this edition, I feel like it's a close call for me on any given day. Because I feel like they're kind of like similar thematically. Like obviously Gamma World's not as hell-bent on the comedy, but I can't imagine you playing it without the comedy being present. Uh, But like as far as what they would mechanically scaffold, it's like kind of not that dissimilar. Right. Um, The mechanics to Gamma World do seem a little like more antiquated, right? Like there are different kinds of rules to keep track of and the system is not unified and stuff. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, maybe this is going to be my new game design thing is new ghostbusters but we have so many things on the go already and we have to quit <laughs> rpgs and it's then it's true it's true and then have a comeback this is your coming out of retirement game mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this new ghostbusters new horny ghosts i'm gonna get and... Kristen wick to write it with me yeah yeah you gotta keep the 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 ghost sex in there <laughs> yeah i do because uh, they removed, there's no ghost sex in new, new woke Ghostbusters. <laughs> the wokes are taking away our ability to have to sex with ghosts. Fuck a slime. I mean, um, it's just ghosty in the first one, but it's very. I guess they don't even really get into the ghost sex in the first one, but it is heavily implied. There is heavily implied ghost sex. Uh,. Should we Which? talk about our other favorite medias of that are funny and ghost sex? I can only think of one thing that has ghost sex in it. I wouldn't say that I am an expert at the ghost sex. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to think. I mean, does ghost... I haven't even seen ghost. This is a... Mm. Yeah, there's some definite I was like, I assume sex. there's ghost sex because of how everybody talks about it but i have not seen it because there's not really a lot that i'm like it's fine to live as a meme in my head like it doesn't i don't feel a strong desire to actually watch it yeah um and then there was that really bad parody movie the scream parody scary movie right <laughs> that's the only other ghost sex is this our, is this our recommendation section no these don't watch this but scary movie does tie into the american pie generation like to me scary right. movie is like peak yes. American Pie adjacent um, movies, which I have not watched one of those in probably decades. And I am mildly tempted to do so because how bad are they? Right. In fact, Um, I think maybe bad. And how much did they inform like our whole consciousness? (laughs) Like when I was like, when you're my, when you're my age and Aaron, you're a little bit older than I am. So I don't know. I feel like I was peak. I was peak of the time for mm-hmm. American Pie. Mm-hmm. I'm now trying to figure out when when did that happen and why. You brought this up. and what, Yeah, 1999. So <clears throat> my little brain was like, okay, American Pie and also The Matrix. That's what we got. Like, that was like the <laughs> the generation-defining media. Yeah. Matrix, American Pie. Um, so many of the people in American Pie really fizzled out of their whole acting career jam. <laughs> It's surprising no one. Uh, I think the only survivor was Allison Hannigan. I guess, uh, what's her face is in it too? 
<laughs> Who's what's her face? Uh, the Jennifer Coolidge. No, but of course she's Jennifer. in that. Natasha Leone. Oh, what is she in this? <laughs> I'm not. We're not going to read this Wikipedia thing live. Natasha Leone. Yeah, like a surprising, you know, surprisingly, uh, surprisingly good, Weird. surprisingly good people. Also, don't someplace. watch American Pie. Watch Slums of Beverly Hills. That's from the original generation of sex comedies. Probably not original. I'm sure there were others, but. Uh, I feel like we're running out of steam here. We're all over the road. Listen, you brought American Pie into the into the mix, and then we we're talking about, about pies. We're talking about blueberry grunts. We're talking about apple pan dowdies. I'm I'm like genuine. Is there another movie that has the ghost sex in it though? Uh, yeah. What are your ghost sex suggestions? You gotta watch the movie Extra Ordinary. It's two words. Uh, it's a 2019 horror comedy film. Is this a legitimate recommendation? I thought you didn't yeah. watch horror. Yeah, well, it's a horror comedy film. It stars Maeve Higgins, who is super funny. It's Irish. Maeve Higgins plays uh, an adult virgin driving instructor in semi-rural Ireland who can also talk to ghosts but really wishes she couldn't. Um, and there's, you know, some, like, funny sex comedy moments as well. Uh, Will Forte is the villain classic american comedic actor from saturday night live uh it's a funny movie it's good uh and then Shaun of the dead is not ghost sex but it's like horror comedy as well that i really it like. is horror comedy it's not it's not a weird sex comedy but right there is uh <laughs> i did think of another sex comedy this is a bad we should have a whole episode on sex comedies because i feel like uh, uh tainting the Ghostbusters episode <laughs> with our I mean I guess whatever fine. I guess it, it asks for it. Like it yeah. is it is a very we're, horny we're book. Sl- we're sliming it. It is uh, it is full of I, when I was watching it, Izzy was not um home while I was watching the first Ghostbusters, but watched the the newer one with me. But when I was when we were chatting about it, she was like, oh, if I remember correctly, there's just a lot of fart jokes. Like it just reminded me of like a just a fart joke film, and I don't think it was that funny. And I was like, there's actually not a lot of fart jokes. All of the like, but like the teenage boy humor is all in the right. sex jokes. The dudes are fart joke dudes. They're just yeah. a little older this time. Okay, that's an episode I would actually do. <laughs> sex horror, yeah. Sex horror comedy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You have the horror sex, you have the the sex comedy, and then you have the horror comedies. Yeah. And where do we, like, classify? I would do that with RPGs. Like, here are... Right. Are there RPGs? Can Can we, on the fly, come up with RPGs to occupy every position of that triangle? for our appendix now i'm making our appendix now challenge based today. yeah yeah uh, i mean i think apocalypse world is sex horror and okay. so is bluebeard's bride right fair yes i guess that works bluebeard's um, bride. yeah i guess there's lots of yeah i mean is, is ghostbusters is ghostbusters sex comedy horror I mean, I think it wants to be sex comedy horror, but I would probably... Yeah. Again, it doesn't feel very horror-y. Sex comedy is Himbos of Myth and Metal. Perhaps you've heard of it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I mean, that's why I have to love the new Ghostbusters over the old one. 
It's because it has uh, it has an honest to god himbo in it. Yeah, Chris Hemsworth is great in that movie. Yeah, just full fucking full fucking <laughs> hot doorknob brain. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. So okay, so that's that's horror. That's horror, sex, sex comedy, comedy horror. I guess Ghostbusters and the comedy horror. But do we have other other comedy horror games? I'm sure. I don't know. It was like, is this a no because we don't play comedy horror games? <laughs> I think it's a no because I'm in my I'm in my room away from my RPG shelf. I mean, I'm looking at my RPG shelf. I don't see a lot of comedy horror. I feel like that's what about a Blood Feud. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Go is back and listen though? to our episode about Blood Feud. Is it meant to be funny? You'll be laughing and crying. If you play it with non-men, it's hilarious. Uh, if if men folk play it, it gets really serious really fast. I think uh, because when poked, they curl up like pill bugs. Um, what category are we even talking about? <laughs> horror, comedy. Maybe this is an underdeveloped. There you go, indie game developers. If <laughs> we found it, we found a gap in the games. Horror comedy. Not a lot of horror comedy in the world. A lot of sex comedy, maybe? Uh, a lot of. Depending on who you sexy are, horror. Bullwinkle and Rocky role playing party game can kind of be sex comedy. I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, yeah, it's famously like a, a, an early role playing party game. I loved Rocky and Bullwinkle. Maybe we add this Rocky to the list. It's like super hard to find. Um. Yeah. Well. Well, I think we failed miserably at that. that challenge. <laughs> what good radio this is. Yeah, we're doing we're doing great today on this Sunday. This is this nice sunny Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I'm gonna go for a walk. I'm excited. Okay, so we did our appendix. We did our shitty appendix. Now, do you have any books to recommend? I'm like trying to read a lot of horror lately, and I am realizing that it doesn't scare me, and therefore I don't find it very compelling to read yeah. um i'm like starting to figure i'm trying to figure out why it is that i like some horror i like but like a lot of horror i just don't enjoy and i feel like the usual uh inclination is to attribute that to being afraid and i'm like no if you're not af- if you're not full of fear if you don't get scared when reading horror it's just kind of boring uh and so i'm having a hard time with that yeah. Currently, no, my, I, I made two good recommendations, and they were for comedy horror movies. Yeah, fine. I went. I, that's, okay. I'm not reading any. I'm reading Middlemarch, an 800-page 18th-century British novel. Uh, <laughs> Always. And so it's like that's. I'm 300 pages in. I've been reading it for weeks. I'm going to be reading it for more weeks. I'll have no book recommendations. Ooh, Berserk, Berserk slash Chainsaw Man. I feel like both kind of occupy weird. Uh, horror sex oh yeah i haven't read comedy diagrams yeah those are they're both good i'm reading them both they're great uh that's is that it that's it join our discord uh you might be able to vote for us in the ennies soon we're putting together uh don't base it on this episode go back and listen to uh, this this is our lowest one don't tweet this one don't tell anyone about this episode this Uh, is gonna overtake gurps just to haunt us but but also if you are listening to this uh and you have a time code for a favorite moment from an from an episode send it to us so we can send it to the ennies to show them 
the times we were good. That's it. That's my call to action. You don't. Do you have a quote? Do you have a quote for us? Because I hear that you don't have a quote for us. Because I hear that you're very underprepared. And by here, I mean you told me this yourself with your own words. Um, the but I think you should just uh, roll some dice and pick a page and then find a quote. Gilbert, I blast the phone. Juan, uh, okay, the phone's vaporized. I'm not going to make anybody roll any dice to destroy a helpless telephone. Now what? That's it. It's the first instance of phone destruction in this book, and it only gets more violent and aggressive as you go through. This is telephone horror role-playing.